0: James chapter 1. We've been talking about prayer for the last two Sundays, and this morning I want to look at this, the reality of faith in our prayer life. Now James tells us something as he begins uh, that that, that helps us greatly, and yet it can become a stumbler block and a problem to us. Uh, James chapter 1, we're going to read the first three verses. Let me show it to you, though, um, on the screen there. Uh, Sorry, verse 5, 6, and 7. He says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. See, this issue of faith is a big issue when it comes to our prayer lives. In fact, this issue of faith is a huge issue for us in our relationship with God. Now, the problem is we're kind of confused about faith. We're confused about faith in the sense that we feel like, well, faith would be a feeling of confidence. And I think there's a feeling of confidence that comes with faith, but primarily faith is not a feeling of confidence. We also get confused on this one that if we really believe it's going to happen and pray, then it's going to happen. Now the problem with that one for us is when it doesn't happen, our faith gets crushed. Because we really believed it was going to happen. And we're kind of, a, we're kind of at sea. And I, and I think a lot of believers live in the area where their faith is kind of damaged. And they're, they're not sure what to trust God for, what to believe God for. I mean, uh, and they get, because they really believed God for something and that didn't happen. And then they didn't get what they expected to get. And, and, and so they get hurt by it. And uh, you know, so, so, so we can be kind of messed up. Uh, in this area of faith. But there is no doubt that faith is essential to us in terms of our prayer life and in terms of our relationship with God. A.W. Tozer said, he said that faith is the vitamin without which we can get nothing from God. Right? So if I don't have faith, you know what? There's not going to be much going on between me and God. But I've got to understand what faith is Now, James 1 is, is helpful to us, right? <clears throat> because he says, But let me ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Did you ever want something and yet you doubted? And you thought, you know what, listen, uh, I was wavering and I can't get anything from God. That's not what it's saying. That's not what it's saying. You listen, sometimes you're going to have doubts. Do you realize you can have doubts and you can still have faith? How do you do that? Okay, we'll, look at the, we'll talk about it, right? <clears throat> uh, for let that, that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now, James 1 is helpful to us in this, here, <clears throat> because he, he, here's what he's doing for us. He's showing us uh, a, a, a simple, straightforward area. The, the area of this prayer in James chapter 1 is simple. Uh, in verse 5 it says, If any of you lack wisdom, Right, so I lack wisdom. So i got something to do, and I lack wisdom. I don't know what to do. I really don't know what the answer is. I don't know what I should do. I could do this. I could do that. Uh, John said I should do this, and Mary said I should do this. And I'm, I'm totally in a, uh, in a twist about what I should do. There's so many things I could do. I don't know what to do, and I don't know. Right? So I lack wisdom, and I know I lack wisdom. By the way, don't we lack wisdom every day? Don't you hit enough things in the day that you lack wisdom for something every day. So if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to men liberally, to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. them. Now that's great because that's a promise. That is a promise. That is a cast iron, solid, rock solid promise. God says if I lack wisdom, I can ask him, and he gives liberally, and uh, he won't upbraid me, and I'm not going to have it. But then he says, but let him ask him faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. So here's God's plan. God's plan is, you know, Dave's going to end up regularly in the place where he doesn't know what to do. And he's going to cry out to God. He's going to ask God for wisdom. And God's going to give him wisdom. Now, what would wavering look like there? God promised me he's going to give me the answer. What would wavering look like? Well, wavering would look like this. I'd get the answer and I'd say, you sure I'm not sure about this. You know, Mary said this, and John said that, and Paul said that, and you know what, I think this, and I think that. And and what we do is we get wisdom from God, and we overturn God's wisdom, then we're wavering. Then we see faith would take what God says at faith value and say yes and do it. Even if it looked impossible. Even if it didn't make sense to me. Faith would take the wisdom God gives me, and faith would do it. What happens for us is, though, we get wisdom from God, and we say, nah, I'm not sure about that. And we go and we ask 13 other people what they think, until we're twice as confused as we were before. When, in fact, God had told us what to do in the situation, what was the right thing to do. Have you ever done that? You have, haven't you? God has told you what to do, but you've, you've second-guessed God. That's wavering. And you see, if you waver, why would God give you wisdom if you're going to second-guess him and do your own thing anyway? <laughs> so now, when it comes to our faith, our faith is something that we're going to actually act on. It's not a feeling. God might tell me what to do, and I, like, you serious, Lord? That that's really scary. God told lots of people to do scary things. But when they did them, they acted in faith. Faith is not me getting what I want. Faith is not me getting. Faith is me actually coming to God and operating on the basis of faith, depending upon Him and getting what He wants in my life. That's a hard one. But didn't we look at that that last week? If we pray in the will, in His will, then we have the things that we require. But you know what? It has to be in His will. See, don't you and I want to force our will on God? Don't we want God to get on board, come to the party, you know, get on board. We became Christians, Lord, you know, and I Why don't you just get on board, go with the flow, and, 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 and achieve all that we want. We want God to be the genie in the bottle. And we want prayer to be the way you rub the bottle. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is the means of getting God's will done on earth. Prayer is, not, prayer is not the means of getting my will done. Now, there's a lot I can depend upon God and he's going to do in my life. There's a lot that I can depend And there's a lot of things personally that I need that I'm going to ask him for. And you know what? A lot of those things he's going to give. Some he's going to say no. Sometimes going say no, that wouldn't be good for you. That wouldn't be good for you right now. Maybe later. Uh, I've got other things I'm working on. But you know what? <clears throat> God can do me a lot of things. But, but the, the, the primary function of my prayer is... Not to get what I want. Did you ever look at the Lord's Prayer? Listen, listen to somebody singing the Lord's Prayer this morning, and it fascinated me. Because like, you, 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 you can be so familiar with things. I've been saying the, the Lord's Prayer since I could speak. And you can be so familiar with things that, that you miss it. Do you know, when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, there's only one thing you ask, Lord, give us this day our daily bread hang on a minute, I have a lot of other things I want besides daily bread. I mean, that's kind of the basic minimum. I mean, I have so many things I want apart from daily bread. But when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, or the disciples' prayer, that's, that's the request. The rest of it is really God-focused and God-centered. <clears throat> so our prayer lives are not to be about getting my will accomplished, what about getting his will accomplished? Now, some of you are going to drop out at that point. You're going to say, okay, pastor, well, <clears throat> that's not what I signed up for. But you know what? If you drop out at that point, you're going to miss out on the greatest blessings. Because the greatest blessing of a human being is that they actually join with God and see God work in their world. That's the greatest blessing a human being can enjoy. Let's a word of prayer, and we'll begin to uh, <clears throat> look at our subject. Father, would you bless us this morning? Lord, we thank you. Lord, for the instruction of your word, and we thank you for being a God that is faithful and that we can trust. Now, Lord, help us as we look to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, back back to our passage in James that we started off with. Why, when I got wisdom from God, would I do what God told me to do? Well, why would I do what anybody would tell me to do? Well, I might do it because of fear uh, in the world, but that's not the way I'm operating in my relationship with God. So why would I do... What God tells me to do because he knows best and he loves me. is right? that right? That's, now, listen, you know what? I'm not a fool. I'm not going to do what God tells me to do if I think I'm, you know, I'm walking into danger for no reason. I'm going to have to you know, think he knows best and he loves me. In fact, Hebrews 11.6 says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So two things. First of all, if I'm going to do what God wants me to do, I first of all would have to believe that he is God. In other words, when he speaks, he knows what he's talking about. He's got control of the situation, and you know, <clears throat> I can expect that he knows what he's doing. We might put it this way. We might, we might say that God is the reality above all of the realities, because I'm going to be asked to do things in my lifetime that don't make sense to me. Right? In my little pint-sized, finite brain, I'm going to work out how to achieve what I think is the best plan. Now, if I'm spiritual, I'm going to work out my plan with God in mind. Right? But I'm going to work out my plan. But, but you know, the, 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 the problem for me is that that's just the reality I see. God is ultimate reality. God is in charge of reality. It can look impossible to me, and God says, nothing impossible about that at all, because it's not impossible to him. And God purposefully to build my faith is going to bring me to those places where it looks impossible. And you don't say, Dave, will you do it anyway? But it's impossible. I know, I want you to do it anyway. And when I'm willing to do it, I'm going to find out that what was impossible becomes possible. God makes it possible. God. So I, first of all, I've got to believe that God is. I've got to believe that he is the supreme reality above all other realities. Hudson Taylor had a great illustration of this. Hudson Taylor <clears throat> lived by faith. He purposefully put himself in the place where he lived by faith. And he lived helping poor people in London before he ever went to the mission field. And one night, this poor man came to him his, whose wife was dying. She needed medicine, and she needed it right away, or she was going to die and Hudson Taylor believed the man and trusted him and knew that he needed to give, and he wanted to help the man to buy the medicine. He had a problem, though. He only had a half a crown in his pocket. Now, a half a crown uh, was a lot of money uh, in those days. Um, it will we'll say it was 100 euros today, right? Now, he had only a half a crown. It was one coin. He would gladly have given the man a shilling because a half a crown was two and a half shillings. In fact, he got to the place in the conversation where he would gladly have given him two shillings if only he had sixpence left for himself. But he had no more money and no other visible means of money coming in. And he needed to buy food and he needed to pay his rent. So he's got a huge problem. He wants to help this man. But in order for him to help this man, he's got to give him all that he has. And he knows that's exactly what God wants him to do. So he's struggling. Ever been there? Ever been in that place where you struggled, where God was asking you to do something, and you knew if you did it, it was just going to be so expensive that you couldn't manage? And here's where he came to. He came to the to the place where he had to understand that God and what God wanted him to do was more real than the half a crown in his pocket. That God was more real than the half a crown that he had in his pocket. See. Always when it comes to this thing of faith, what we have is, we have practical reality, and we have it set up against God. And God reality, if you want to call it that. By the way, the end of the story was, he did give him the half crown, and the wife was saved, and God did take care of him marvelously and wonderfully. But he had to come to the place where he was willing to let God be more important. You see, he had to believe that God is God is, God wants me to do this even though it looks like I'm going to starve and not be able to pay the rent I'm going to do it anyway and those are scary decisions, aren't they? <laughs> and, and isn't God amazing the way he's able to come to each one of us and find an area in our lives where he can actually do that where he can ask you okay, do you really believe I'm real? do you really believe that I am? do you really believe that I am the supreme reality? I'm above all other realities and I'm in charge of the situation then do what I tell you to do and you go can you, ask, can, can you give me something else to do? Because it's too hard. But God wants us to see himself, to see him as being the reality above all realities. Second thing is, in 11 verse 6, is that we're supposed to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now let me ask you this, do you believe that today? Do you believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Now, I'm sure you're not perfect. I'm sure you don't get it right all day, every day. I'm sure you have your problems and your issues. But do you believe that the heart of God is so towards you that he wants to do you good? Do you believe that about God? I told somebody this week, and uh, and they were in... <clears throat> They were, in, they, they, they were looking for the will of God, right? And they were in just, just in a torment about it, right? <clears throat> because uh, people were saying they shouldn't do this, and um, you know, it looked like a good thing to do, and people were saying they shouldn't do it, and, and, and they were going back and forth. And I, and I asked them this question. I asked, well, what do you want to do? And she said, well, in the, the instant the answer was, well, I want to do it. Right? And, and so I said this to him but do you understand that God wants you to be happy that God is not standing in the way to deny you all those things that you see as blessings because we often have that in our minds don't we and really the heart of it is a lack of faith we kind of sort of think God is against us we kind of sort of think well you know what God is against something that might be fun for me now listen if God's against it he's well able to tell you he's against it and you're a fool if you go ahead and do it. In this case, you know what? God wasn't against it at all. But what this person was wrestling with, they were wrestling with the fact that, you know what? God had presented them with something that they really wanted to do, and other people were making them feel guilty about doing it. But you know what? It was what God wanted them to do in the end. Now, <clears throat> so, but, but here's the, here's the thought. I want, <clears throat> I want you to catch you. God's for you. God is for you. God is. And God is for you. If you get those two base, watch. If you get those two thoughts in, you, you you have a foundation for faith that is unshakable. You can live your life obeying a God who is God, and <clears throat> who is for me. Why wouldn't I obey Him? Why wouldn't I do what He wants me to do? Why wouldn't I step out from time to time and do that which seems impossible? Uh, when listen, I'm serving a God uh, who wants my best, and you see. <clears throat> I think that kind of faith produces a feeling. Right? But faith is not a feeling. I think we're going to look at it produces rest. I, because I can trust God that He is and He's for me. He, As, I, you know, as I'm seeking Him, well, why wouldn't I seek Him? Why wouldn't I go after God with all my heart? Why wouldn't I love Him and want to serve Him? Because He is and He loves me. I'm, Okay, three thoughts here. Uh, first of all, failure to believe God limits God. Failure to have faith, failure to trust God, limits God. Right? let me give you some verses on it here, right? Uh, Psalm 78, verse 41, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That's one of the most breathtaking verses in all the Bible to me. How do you limit omnipotence? How do you take God and restrain Him? Well, it's impossible. I mean, it's kind of—it's kind of you know—an an, an impossibility. You can't restrain God. God's God; He does what He likes. But Israel tempted God, and they limited Him. Yet they remembered not His hand nor the day when He delivered them from the enemy. Well, what did they do? They went, God. Uh, Destroyed Pharaoh and Egypt for them. He led them out from, from Egypt and they went out in the wilderness and they complained and they moaned and they groaned. And, they, and every time something went wrong, they said, Oh, man, was there no graves in Egypt. You brought us out here to die now. We're all going to die. We're gonna, oh, we, we should all go back. Let's pick a leader and go back. And they, they, they constantly refused to trust God and so they limited them. <laughs> He wasn't able to do in their lives all that he wanted to do because they constantly refused to trust him. If you refuse to trust God, you will limit what he wants to do in your life. He has things he wants to do in your life if you refuse to trust him. If you get it down to your little box that you can control, you'll limit him. If you won't step out from time to time into those areas that look terrifying to you, You limit him. You limit God. Israel limited God because they wouldn't trust him. Now, there's some other verses, though. Matthew 13, verse 57, and they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house. Um, And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, "Oh, sorry, <clears throat> two two separate thoughts there, right? He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief." Jesus went to his hometown, and uh, he arrived. Now, what happened <clears throat> when he went? When he went to his hometown, they started talking and said, "Who's your man? I think he is? We know his brothers and his sisters. We know his ma. <clears throat> we know who he is. He thinks he's a big shot. He's going around doing all these miracles everywhere, and uh, what they did was they talked him down." And Jesus did not many mighty works there because they refused to believe him. So sad. Do you know that when you refuse to believe God, you can't do the mighty works he wants to do. Now now we're not talking about Pentecostalism here. We're talking about the reality of Scripture that when I trust God, God can do great things. And when I don't trust God, I limit him. We're not talking about name and claim. we're We're not going there at all. What we're talking about is Basic reality that when I trust God, God can do great things in my life. And when I don't, I limit him in my life. Matthew 17, verse 19. um, The disciples have tried to cast out a demon out of a boy, and they can't. And so they come to Jesus. uh, uh, The disciples came to Jesus' apart, and they said unto them, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, w- w- what does the picture look like there? <clears throat> Here's the disciples. They've been, they've been with Jesus. They've seen Jesus do miracles. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him feed thousands of people. They've, they've seen him do marvelous things. They've gone out in their own right now, and they've, they've done amazing things. They've seen God do amazing things through them. But they come against this demon and now they're in a whole different territory. Now they're in a whole different battle. And they look at the reality of the demon and the reality of their power and they don't think their reality is big enough for his reality. They're missing out on the reality of Jesus, the reality of God. And so their unbelief means they can't cast him out. In fact, Jesus tells them they're going to have to fast and pray uh, <clears throat> for this kind of demon. And you know there are times when your faith is actually fractured or hurt or you're, you, you, you're, you're not trusting God and you need to get with him and sort it out. That's what the disciples need to do. They need, need to get it sorted out. But, <clears throat> but the reality of this demon was too big for them. They couldn't handle it. They were failing to understand. No, 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 no. We've got the reality of omnipotence giving us the authority to cast out this demon. Right? Okay, so if we won't believe, if we won't trust God, we limit what he can do. I wonder, are you limiting God in your life? I wonder, are you limiting what God wants to do in your life? Now, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, listen, uh, you pray and you can win the lotto. You don't want to win the lotto and you shouldn't be uh, buying tickets for the lotto. Uh, That's not the issue. But the issue is God wants to do great things. You're an important person. You've been put here, given the Spirit of God, to achieve things for God. He wants to achieve things through. you. Are you limiting Him? Second thought is this. Faith can be developed. Did you know that? That you can actually develop faith? Uh, Hudson Taylor was interesting. Hudson Taylor set about developing faith. He knew he was going to the mission field. Uh, he knew he would have to trust God on the mission field. So what he did was he set about building faith while he was uh, in, working in England as a trainee doctor. Right? And here's what he did. Uh, he, he, said to the, he said to himself, uh, the, the doctor he worked for was constantly forgetting to pay him. And so he said to himself, I am never going to ask... For the money. Now he had bills, he had his rent, he had his food to pay, and so on. And he would never ask the doctor for money. The doctor would keep saying to me, "I want you to remind me when it's time to pay, because I'm terribly forgetful. I am forget." He said, "No, he, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't. He wouldn't remind. He would pray and ask God to remind him." But he was living. Before. Now, what, he was, what was he doing? He was setting about developing faith. He was putting himself in the place where he was depending upon God and not depending upon man to meet his needs, right? Interesting, but he was, de- he was developing faith. Now, interesting story in, in Mark chapter 9, right? Uh, I think this is the same story as we dealt with in Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, but it's just the other side of the story, all right? This is the father uh, who comes, uh, and uh, he has a son who's, who, who's got a demon in him, and the demon throws him in the fire and does dreadful things to him. And he comes to the disciples, and the disciples can't uh, <clears throat> can't rid him of the demon. Uh, let me read it. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now so here's this little man, right? He's looking at his son, who we don't know how many years, from a child. He's been possessed by this demon. This demon just throws him in the fire. This demon does all kinds of things to him. He, he's looking at his son, and Jesus says to him, He's taken to the disciples, the disciples can't do it. They try, but they can't do it. Right? Jesus says to him, If you can believe, what would you do? Well then you just go, oh no, I can't do that. I can't be that responsible for it. You can't put it on me. But see what the man does. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Well, what was he doing there? He was recognizing the fact that, yeah, Jesus could do it. There's a dependence in in it. But he's asking Jesus to help his unbelief. Now, what do you think Jesus would do if you or I were to ask him to help us with our unbelief? Do you think he would give you the back of the hand and say, it's your own problem, go fix it? Or do you think he would come and he would help you build your faith? Do you think he's interested in you? Of course he is. He would help you build your faith. Jesus did it for the man. And by his own admission, his faith wasn't perfect. But Jesus did it for him. Help mine own belief. Now, next one is about Abraham. Now, Abraham is the father of the faith, right? He's the one who's kind of the the template or the example for how to believe, right? God tells him to leave Ur of the Chaldees and to go out uh, into a place he he didn't know he'd never been. And God would give him uh, a family that was like the sands of the seashore or the stars in the sky for number. And God would just bless him uh, in multiplied ways. So Abraham goes out and he does that. Now Abraham's life goes along the normal course and he's expecting this baby to come that's going to start the uh, the generations that are going to give him the sand of the sea and the uh, and the stars of the sky for number. And it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen. And, and, and let's kind of go with Abraham and sit one day as he reasons it out. He sits and he looks at Sarah one day and maybe she's making the breakfast or doing something and he says, she can't have babies anymore. It's never going to happen. She's never going to have a baby. It's over. It's finished. Now, what's he looking at there? He's looking at reality. Because that's human reality. She can't do it. It's impossible. He's looking at the reality of the situation. She can't do it. and if that was where he stopped by the way Abraham's faith is interesting because God says about Abraham that he staggered not his faith staggered not now you and I look and say hang on a minute what about Hagar you know what about Ishmael that looks like a pretty big stagger to me but you know what happened God developed and grew his faith through all of it you know what He he didn't get it all right you and I don't get it all right but if we'll stay with God, God will develop our faith. God will grow us in our dependence upon Him if we look to Him. So Abraham is facing the situation. He looks at his wife, it's impossible now. She can't do this thing. She can't have babies. It's over. It's finished. And yet he looks at the other hand and he says, but God promised me a baby through her. God promised me. By the way, it's important that you get yourself on the right ground as far as promises are concerned. Your faith gets damaged when you go after things that God has not promised you, as though he had promised you. Okay? You've got to listen to him. Because he's the one that tells you what you can depend upon him for. He doesn't tell you depend upon me for anything you want. He tells you depend upon me for anything you want in the will of God. And you can have it. But he he doesn't give you, you know, listen, uh, You can have whatever you want. Sometimes we do that one, or we want it so bad, or our feeling is so strong about something that we think, I'm definitely going to get it. And then we get crushed when we don't get it. It's not about your, you. You've got to be careful. You've got to have a promise. Abraham had promises. Abraham had clearly been promised. It was his it, God had made Abraham to know, I am going to give you a son at the appointed time through her." Not through Hagar, through Sarah. God had given him this promise, so he was sure he had a promise. So Abraham looks at reality, and then he looks away from the reality of a wife that can't have children to the promise and the reality of God, and he comes down on God's side of it. Look at the verse. Who against hope believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations, according to that which is spoken, so shall thy seed be. Against hope, humanly speaking, it was impossible for him to hope. But you know what? He believed in hope because he had a word from God. He believed in God. Now, that's where your faith comes into place. Where you come to the place where against hope, you hope in God. God tells you to do something. And by the way, you know what? I wouldn't doubt but everybody in this room this morning has something God is telling you to do that you say, that's not possible. I would do it, but that's ridiculous. Now, now, what happens when you do that is you begin to second-guess yourself, don't you? Now, I, First of all, you're very clear, because God's told you what he wanted you to do, and you know what you want to do, but you start second-guessing yourself. And if you leave it long enough, you know what? <clears throat> you're second-guessing. You'll second-guess yourself out of the picture altogether. That's what Israel did. Israel were told, listen, I will take care of you in the wilderness. They, listen, they had seen God take care of them. So, okay, so there was no water. Two and a half million people, no water, that's a scary moment. Right? You know, how are you going to provide enough water for two and a half million people? Well, it's impossible humanly speaking, but it's possible with God. They had enough, they had seen enough of the power of God to know that God could do it. They needed to trust him to do it. But they wanted to turn back. Now, here's the deal for you and I. God's going to face you with situations regularly that look impossible. you're going to say "I can't do that. That's impossible. There's no way to, to do that. And you want to back off. You want to say no. you want to get other people to say different things to you. You want to get counsel that's going to help you to be reasonable when you need to do what God wants you to do. We were never intended to live in the area of the possible. We're intended to live in the area of the supernatural where God meets our needs and takes care of us in ways that he shows us he will do. But in order for that to happen, we've got to trust him. So Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. That's what you need to do too. Against hope, believe in hope. Not not, not wild hope just because you you hope it and you want it, but hope because God's shown you that's what he's going to do. You need to stay and you need to do it. When God shows you what he wants you to do, when you pick up the book... And you have your devotions in the morning, and God says, "I want you to do this." Now, every believer in this room has had that happen to them. Isn't that amazing? Every child of God has opened the book at some time and had God say, "This is what I want you to do," and you know it, don't you? You, you listen. You know. You, you know the voice of your mother. You know the voice of God. God, to, and you say, "Well, that's impossible." If I did that, there'd be this problem, and there'd be that problem, and there'd be the other problem. There's no way I could do that. You talk yourself down. You know what you do? You limit God. God's trying to build faith in you, and you're going against him on it. You limit what God wants you to do. And who knows how much further he would take you if you would go with him on it. Just trust him and move ahead. You see, Abraham, against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. And he did, and he did. He believed God, and he did become the father of many nations. And it was impossible. But isn't, isn't the story of the Bible and the story of Christianity a story of the impossible? Where would be the fun for God if it was all possible? You know, a lot of, a lot of religions in the world just operate basically purely on the, on the possible. What's possible? Christianity doesn't. Christianity op- operates on the basis of what God is capable of doing. And that's always a bit further than you wanted them to go. Okay? All right. <clears throat> then faith gives us rest. Do you know you're never going to have rest in this world? Don't you want rest and you want peace in this world? There are too many unpredictables in this world. Aren't there? There are too many difficulties. There are too many problems. There are too many things that you can't nail down. If I look at bricks and mortar and I say, That's reality. You know, Jesus can walk through bricks and mortar. He is the supreme reality. Right? So I've got to understand that God is, that God is the supreme reality. Then I've got to understand and expect him to do me good. Expect that God's going to do you good. Expect that God's going to take care of you. Expect that God is going to bless you. Now don't expect him to do it all in the way you, you, you think is the best way, because he knows better than you. But expect Him to do good for you. Because that's who He is. That's who He tells you to believe in Him as. Believe in me as as a God who wants to do you good. So that when He does something that you feel is bad, what you need to do is say, now hang on a minute, He knows better than I do. This doesn't feel very good, but you know what? He's always doing me good. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Right? Then number three, tell them you're willing. That you want them to build your faith. Tell them you're willing. Now understand, if you were going to build somebody's faith, how would you do it? You'd have to put them in awkward places, wouldn't you? You'd have to put them in places where the you know what wasn't easy to trust. But tell them you're willing. Tell him you're willing that that, that you that you uh, you're you're willing to, to to help you like like that poor man. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And here's what you need to expect in your life: that as you walk with Him and as you trust Him, circumstances are not going to give you peace. They're not. They never are. You're never going to have it all lined up so that you have a nice peaceful life. So don't you long for that? You're never going to have this nice long uh, nice peaceful life. But what you're going to have is you're going to find yourself more and more in the hands of him who has it all in control and that you're at peace. That you enter into rest. That you're at peace because you're resting in him. Now just before I closed, if you're not saved this morning, today is the day. Why don't you trust him today with your salvation? Come into that place where you can begin to grow in this faith with him. You say, how would I do that? Well, it's really quite simple. Recognize you're a sinner. As a sinner, you deserve a place in hell. But Jesus paid the price for your sin and cry out to him. You say, that's kind of impossible. That's exactly what faith is about. God steps in to what you see impossible as impossible, and he does a miracle. Salvation is a miracle. Salvation is not something you learn. Salvation is a miracle. It's God stepping in and doing a miracle in your life. He would do it for you gladly today if you would just make the decision to trust him. Let's stand for prayer. Father, thank you for dealing with us. Thank you, Lord, for showing yourself to us. Lord, help us to walk with you and trust you this week. And Lord, may we know your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.